Coming up on this week's show, we are at the Ripped Bodice Bookstore in Culver City, California to get all the details on this romance-only bookstore. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from JeffAdamsWrites.com. And I'm Will from WillKnauss.com. How you doing? I am good. I am, uh, I'm good. I can yeah. You're good. I, I can come up with a simile for good. <laughs> Excellent. Stupendous. No, awesome. I'm not that good. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm playing, I'm regular good. How's that? You're regular good. I don't know. All right, that works. I don't know. So you know what this week is? Hmm. What week is it? It is Band Book Week. <gasps> Gasp. I know, right? All these scandalous <laughs> books. I know. It's crazy. September 25th through October 1st is Band Book Week, yeah. uh, which is a week sponsored by the American Library Association, the American Booksellers Association, and some other entities out there to kind of shine a light on some of the books that get challenged and in some cases banned uh, across the U.S. Uh, this year, they are celebrating diversity. Uh, because according to the American Library Association, it's estimated that over half of all banned books are by authors of color, or the books contain events and issues concerning diverse communities. Mm. So, as we talked about last week with Lisa from The Novel Approach, The Novel Approach is doing a series of posts across this week with various LGBT authors or gay romance authors, to highlight banned books, and we will be tweeting and sharing those posts on our Facebook page so that you guys can keep up with them, or you can go, of course, straight to the Novel Approach website to see those posts. Um, I was interested to see the list of challenged books from 2015, some of the top books. Uh, kind of caught me off guard. The number one challenge book in 2015 was Looking for Alaska by John Green. This is one of the few books of his I don't have, but... He doesn't strike me necessarily as somebody who's writing books you think would end up on a challenge list. Mm -hmm. um, no big surprise, several LGBT books are on this list. Uh, the number 10 book was Two Boys Kissing by Dave Levith David Levithon. Uh, number 7 was Fun Home uh, by Alison Bechtel, which of course has been the Tony-winning musical that just closed on Broadway a couple weeks ago. Uh, I Am Jazz by Jessica Hertel and Jazz Jennings, which of course is about a transgender teen. And also Beyond Magenta, Transgender Teens Speak Out by Susan Cooklin. Now, you might think that perhaps these are all being challenged by uh, various religious groups. However, interestingly enough, number six on the list of most challenged books of 2015 is the Bible. So there's a whole bunch of people challenging a whole bunch of range of different kinds of books. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, stay tuned. Check out what the novel approach does this week as, as they talk about Band Book Week. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on those different uh, posts all week long on our different uh, social media accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be tweeting them, uh, talking about them on Facebook. Uh, while you're on Facebook, be sure to uh, check out our feed uh, and like us. That way you can uh, stay up to date on all the news and all the cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
There is cool stuff there. Facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast. Yes. Uh, Will very often, uh, several days a week, is posting uh, pictures of hot men. And how can your day not be better by seeing the picture of some hot man either reading a book or listening to what we always presume is our podcast? Because why wouldn't they be? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we do Facebook Live events uh, periodically. Uh, we get silly sometimes on Mondays and do a live commercial for the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which can always be a crack up. Uh, so there are, there's a lot of stuff there going on at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Yeah, be sure and check it out. You are excited because one of your favorite shows, uh, A Revival, is coming to Broadway. Yes. I'm not going to be there to see it. Mm. I'm, so, I'm sad about that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thrilled this musical is coming back. Uh, it's called Falsettos. It was originally on Broadway in 1992 and was a mixing of two off-Broadway shows called March of the Falsettos and Falsetto Land. Now, this show is set in the early 80s and revolves around the life of a, of a charming, intelligent, neurotic gay man named Marvin, his wife, his lover, and his about-to-be bar, bar mitzvahed son, their psychiatrist, and the lesbians next door. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. Um, and it, it also touches on the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, because in the in the second act of the show, or what would have been the second... Uh, show when it was off-Broadway, um, the lover actually contracts AIDS, HIV and AIDS, and it's early enough in the epidemic, they don't actually know what to call it at the time, so it it really brings a touching uh, aspect to this show, uh, which was still very timely in the 90s when it came to Broadway the first time, because they didn't have all the drugs that we have now to really control the disease uh, and make it not a death sentence like it was when this show uh, first came up. Uh, the revival cast is so stunning. Stephanie J. Block, Christian Borrell, who just came off of Something Rotten, uh, Andrew Rannells, who uh, made his Broadway debut in The Book of Mormon, uh, Betsy Wolf, who we've seen a couple times in the last five years, mm-hmm. and Mystery of Edwin Drood, mm-hmm. uh, Tracy Toms, who uh, was in... The closing cast of Rent on Broadway, I was also in the Rent movie. Uh, I so wish I was there to see this, because this, when it was up for Best Musical in 1992 at the Tony Awards, I vividly remember their uh, production number, which was uh, a riff on taking the soon-to-be bar mitzvah Jason to play baseball. And you had the mothers and the, and the sons and everybody and the, the lovers in the stands watching the baseball. And not only was it very funny, but you had to what the time I remember being the first time I saw two gay men on TV and one is being sung to about how gorgeous he is. He's, it's one of those internal songs, but I mean, it's just right there. Primetime TV, CBS on a Sunday night. Uh, and that was really profound for me. Um, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes because I found, you because you can find everything on YouTube, uh, <laughs> there is that on YouTube and you'll see how funny this show is. So if you're in New York between September 29th and January 8th, because this is a short run production, uh, check out Lincoln Center's Lincoln Center Theater's revival of uh, Falsettos. Now, while we don't have an author stopping on the 2016 GRL blog tour this week, the giveaway continues. Simply go to episode 51 show notes page to enter in the raffle copter that's down there, and you'll be able to be entered to win the 7-inch Fire tablet that we're giving away that's loaded with ebooks from the authors that we've been hosting on the tour. 
In addition to those books, I've put some books in the tablet, as has Wild City Press by giving us books from the authors that they have attending GRL. The big GRL blog tour giveaway runs through Sunday, October 23rd, which is the Sunday that GRL closes. And on the show notes page, you'll also find a complete list of the authors who are going to be giving us books for the tablet as well. Now, you need a a word for your bonus entries this week, and that word of the week is bodice, B-O-D-I-C-E. Now, not too long ago, you were down in L.A., and you had the chance to stop by the Ripped Bodice Bookstore. Uh, and you got to sit down and have a uh, extended interview with B and Leah Koch. They run and operate and own the bookstore. Yes. And you get sort of a detailed um, account of their Kickstarter, uh, how they put together the store, and how the store has uh, been going in the, is it the first six months so far? Six months. They, they celebrated the six-month anniversary uh, earlier this month. Yeah. It's a really great interview. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy it, and here it is. So we're at the Ripped Bodice Bookstore in Culver City, California, with B and Leah Koch, who are the proprietresses of the store. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. We're oh. delighted that you could come. We're excited to be here because we love this bookstore, as our as our Facebook Live audience knows. <laughs> um, so right into it, tell us the origin story. How did you guys decide to open a bookstore at a time when bookstores are really thought to be not the thing to open? Uh, well, my origin story for romance is really kind of what started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been reading romance, I've been reading romance, Leah started reading romance our whole lives, and then I went to college and I took a class on romance and I kind of discovered so much more than what I had originally been reading. And then I went to graduate school and I studied history of fashion and I wrote my thesis on uh, fashion in romance novels, and it was called Mending the Ripped Bodice. So at the end of that degree, I came to visit Leah out here in LA. She was at school at USC, and we were driving around, and we were like, what should we do with more lives? Let's open a bookstore. Yes. It's really, like, the opening a bookstore part happened in, like, 45 seconds. Yeah. But actually, it was, it took us a little while to get to we should open a store because being shopkeepers sounded romantic to us. Dissuade yourself from that. It's not, by the way. Um, okay, so what are we going to sell at our store? Now, this takes 45 seconds. Well, we definitely have books because we love books. Oh, we should definitely have romance novels. That's all we read. Oh, my God, let's only sell romance novels. Boom, goodbye. That was April of two years ago. And from that point, how long did it take to get open? It was then a year of talking about it, because I think she was finishing school, yeah. and I came out here. That was between your two years. So she yeah. still she went back to New York for a full year, um, then moved out here in May, a year later. We worked uh, for six months to get the Kickstarter ready and get the business plan ready. October of this past year, we did the Kickstarter, opened in February. So a pretty quick turn, yeah, really. It was. We didn't. We we don't like sleep on things. Nope. <laughs> uh, We're like, this is a good idea. Let's go. Yeah, and I do think that that lends itself to this kind of business. You do kind of have to be a go getter and the kind of person who makes you know a decision and then sees it through. Yeah, I mean, it also has to do with, um, we didn't, we were both, it was a point in our lives where we were both coming to the end of an educational thing, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to go out and get day jobs. So in order to do that, in order to not have to get day jobs, we had to get this going really fast. Yeah. So it was like, end school, I mean, we did the Kickstarter while I was still in school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it was like end school and this has to be open so that we don't have to go get boring jobs that we don't want or jobs that will delay opening the store. That's what we were really concerned yeah. about. If we both kind of jumped into other careers, this would kind of be this idea that we always had like, oh, we should really open a bookstore. And yeah. then five, 10 years later, like had we actually opened the bookstore? So I think by just jumping in, we kind of avoided that. And it also, I think really made a difference in quickly gaining the trust of the romance community because Kickstarter in general can occasionally have a history of things taking a long time to yeah. come to fruition, mm -hmm. which sometimes is incredibly understandable. Um, but we sort of wanted to be like, we're asking for your money. This is happening at now. Um, and I think people were very happy with that and then uh, continued to support us yeah. since they weren't like waiting around for a year right. to see what their donation was doing. So how much did you do the Kickstarter fund for? What, what was that about set at? Our goal was $90,000 and we raised 91 and change. Job. Thank you. Yeah, we, to be completely frank, we had a larger goal initially, um, but our amazing publicist, who was really the key to our Kickstarter, having the kind of success it did, really encouraged us to set the goal a little bit lower. And we talked a lot about the psychology of that and like, yeah, why it's interesting. It's and really people wanted us to go even lower. And we're like, if we go lower, we won't be able to open. Right. We had to find that, um, that happy medium yeah. of getting like exactly how much we needed so we could actually do this. Sure. Yeah, I, I will be a Kickstarter evangelist for the rest of my life because I, I really don't think that people appreciate what a difference it can make in people's lives yeah. and how amazing of a tool it is. Because I can see for a business in particular that it keeps you from having to go to start in debt. Exactly. Potentially, you may have, you know, you may have to take on some debt, but you sure. didn't take on ninety thousand dollars in debt. And and beyond that, yes, you're one hundred percent accurate. But the truth is, we wouldn't have gotten the ninety thousand dollars that we needed mm. that would put us in debt because. Let's be realistic about the world. The two of us are not going to walk into a bank and walk out with a $90,000 sure. loan. It's right. just not going to happen. And you also end up with an immediate fans. So how's everything going so far? You, As we sit here for this interview in September 1st, yes. you're at your six-month anniversary. Yes. How's just it going? Crazy. Yes. Today is September 1st, and our six-month anniversary is Sunday, September 4th. Um, we opened on March 4th, which I, we're very delighted about. It was kind of a coincidence, but March 4th is the only date in the calendar that is in action, as in March 4th. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's good. It's a really good anniversary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're very pleased with that. Um, it's going really well. Um, we've had a really good summer. Um, you know, every season so far is our first of that. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, right, our first summer. So we have nothing to compare it to. Um, coming up on our first Christmas, which I'm very excited about. Um, but things are going very well at this point. I think we're only growing. Um, and I definitely think we're really starting to see our events calendar pick up. And we're starting to, I mean, we have events scheduled through, the latest one is May 2017. Oh. So, but that's because we're starting to get on very big authors tour schedules because they make them so far in advance. Mm -hmm. um, so that really tells us that we're, you know, doing yeah. things right when big authors are getting in touch with us because they want to come by on their tours. Um, sure, because it's got to be something to be the romance bookstore well, yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> it is. Um, I think authors who have come here have like 
noted that it is a very unique experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, our audience interacts with writers in a really specific way. Yeah, It's a very personal mm -hmm. um, exchange because I, I think these books are so personal to people. So we see a lot of emotions in the store on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, people will travel here from Italy and they'll walk in the door and they'll start crying. And we start crying too! Because oh. it's such an incredible thing to share with someone the feeling that you walk into a space and this is for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think the longer we've been here, you know, the more that destination aspect of yeah. it will grow. We see a lot of you know, both international and from the United States people who now when they come to L.A. make a plan to come to the Ripped Bodice and they know that's something they want to hit when they come to L.A. It's really fun when people... Great. Take their kids to Disney. It's always us and Disney. <laughs> Disney. And it's just so funny. I mean, okay, so to be, Lee and I love kids. And when kids come in after being at Disney, they're just like <laughs> the happiest they've ever been. Sure. And we want to talk to them. And we want to hear about everyone they met and who they took pictures with. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so fun. That's awesome. And for me, it was the same thing. It's like, I need to go to this bookstore when I'm down there for work. Yeah. I, need, I need to find out how to get to Culver City. And that's fantastic. And I think that's really, it's really two branches. It's that we develop kind of separately. Yeah. It's people who are going to come, or don't live in LA, who are going to stop by when they're here, and then our regulars. Sure. Um, so we now have basically what we call like our girl gang. And there are probably between 30 and 50 customers that we know by name and know every book they've ever bought from us who come to a lot of our events and now know each other and become friends as our book club uh, continues. We get more and more regulars and people who meet at the book club. Mm -hmm. So that's really fantastic to see the community grow. And yeah. I think that'll only continue. And I think it's six months in to feel like we already have this group of people who really want us to succeed. And that does partly come from Kickstarter, like we were saying, but mm -hmm. it's yeah, just some of those people have been with us since Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And we see people tweet all the time, like, it's on my bucket list to go to the Rifatis, and that's just such an incredible feeling to, like, have built something. We're on someone's bucket list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that people care that much about. Because it, it does mean that much to us, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, we are not just passionate business owners. <laughs> like, no. This is everything we care about. How do you go about deciding what's in the store? Like from genres to authors to, you know, just what to carry? Because your space obviously is limited. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there are zillions of romance novels to pick from, not oh, just, yeah. you know, through time, but like there are probably thousands of books published today. <laughs> it's crazy how much is coming out, especially when you consider we carry independently published, self-published, Traditionally, we try and carry everything. Yeah. Uh, and there is just so much. And staying on top of it is... It's not a science. No, it is an art. I mean, there's different parts to that question. So in terms of genres, it's about representing the romance community and making sure that we have all the big genres that people read. Um, so we we started from the beginning breaking down the store into four major subgenres, contemporary, historical, paranormal, and erotica. And we go from there. And I honestly can't see that ever changing. No. That's a good organizing principle. I think principle. it's a good organizing principle. I think it also, from the get-go, shows that this is more than just ripped bodices. Which, I mean, we love the name of the store, but some people are like, oh, do you only have historical? No, we have everything. Yeah. Uh, we just wanted to pay, like, homage to the origins of the mm -hmm. genre. And, you know, 
there's an economic aspect of you want to carry the things that you know people are going to buy. So obviously, you know, we have anyone, probably anyone who's been on the New York Times bestseller list in recent memory and all the big, to some extent, the big new releases, we're always going to have those. We want to sell the things that people want to buy. And then there's obviously, I think we, I mean, I think we do care a lot about like championing smaller people. Yes. Um, I mean, I think we care like that we do have an editorial bent in the yeah. store and there's no getting around it. Like you said, there is a limited amount of space and we have certain number of shelves to fill. I, that's what we see as our job is curating books. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what a bookstore is. We we can't carry everything. So on Amazon. Yeah, it's about and thank goodness for that. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's about representing on every level, representing yeah. what readers want, representing the breadth of authors, representing the depth of genres representing romance as best we can in one space. And we listen to our customers mm -hmm. all the time. People recommend new people. We found so many people from recommendations. We constantly bring in new authors. We're always looking for new things. We're always kind of trying to like move some of the stuff that's been sitting on our shelves for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we hear from readers a specific thing. Mm -hmm. like. The publishing industry is in New York. They're a little separated from readers, maybe. But we interact with romance readers every single day. And the things that they tell us they want are not always the things that we hear are, like, the trends. Sure. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting to compare and contrast those. I think we, in particular, see a lot of younger readers. Mm -hmm. That might be a demographics thing of where we are. But um, our age limit or, or age range is maybe even lower than I thought it would be. Where is your age range? I would say aver our average is 28 to 33. Yeah, I would say it's yeah. younger okay. than I think. I, yeah, I would say even 25. Yeah, I mean, there's different, and there's different groups of cut. This is like way more in depth. Yeah. <laughs> there's like different groups of customers, and you know, we get plenty of little old ladies who are wonderful. Um, I think the people who become sort of devotees of the store are definitely younger. Um, the people that we start to see at a lot of events and really find a community here are definitely younger. But I think that's so important. Like, we are bookish young women, mm -hmm. and it's hard to find other bookish young women um, when you're out of school, mm -hmm. you know, in that time after college. So that's been, like, such a wonderful gift for us to meet these other women who love the books that we love and kind of become friends with them um, and they all have you know interesting jobs in LA and it's fun to make all those connections and, and see those those friendships forming and I'm I don't know how to react to the age limit because you know so often you're led to believe that the younger people are only reading ebooks and yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah. thinking, and obviously wrongly, that it would actually skew a little older to the people who are not used to reading on their device. Uh, can I say something like totally contradictory? Absolutely. I feel like older people like e-readers better you than younger people because it helps them read. That's totally where I'm at. Like, <laughs> I love a book, but I love that I can expand the type. Yeah, that it's so big and it's lit. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, we don't spend that much time worrying about sure. readers. No, and we recommend tons of ebooks. Yeah, sometimes we'll say, go home and get this on. It's only on digital. Yeah. Right. Um, and we do try and stay on top of, like, I mean, we can't, but sometimes, like, we'll notice that something's gone on sale on Amazon, and, and 
And it's like, we're all readers. We all want the books. We're, mm-hmm. we're not trying to scam anyone and have anyone pay. Me yeah, more. we. If a book that costs sixteen dollars is on sale for ninety nine cents, we're probably going to tell you. We're going to tell you. Um, we know that. Yeah. We know. You know, we we just think that e readers can coexist beautifully alongside books. Yes. And I I totally agree because yeah. I I love buying actual books. Yeah. And having them on my shelf and reading them, and sometimes yeah. I'll buy both. Yeah, oh, just, we see we, lots of people we do that too. buying both. Um, <laughs> I mean, we'll have so many copies of the same book at this point because we get an advanced reader copy, then we buy it, then we have it on our e- like we get a we have a lot of the same book in different formats. And I, I just I don't know. Sometimes people come in and want us to like bad map e readers like always oh, an Amazon terrible. We're like, no, any reading is reading. They brought us our cleaning supplies today. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they exist in their own world. And what we're trying to do here is something so different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so much more about personalized recommendations mm-hmm. and creating community, all those things. And I like the, I think the curation has an element to that because as your community grows, they're going to know, well, me and Leah are going to have that book there. Or I don't know what you read right now, but they can tell me if I go in there. Yeah. And, or you can tweet at us. I mean, we give yes. so many <laughs> recommendations online. And we know we're giving recommendations and people are going to buy those books in ebook. That's fine. Like, no one needs to be embarrassed about how they're reading. Yes. I don't agree with shaming a reader for no. the way they're, they're reading. You read however you need to read and collect your books how you need to collect. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's a budgetary thing. Yeah. Ebooks are cheaper frequently and mm-hmm. they are marked down a lot. And that, if you're an 18 year old girl trying to read your book, romance books and buy other like that you should never be shamed for that. right absolutely so to kind of go back to how you curate mm-hmm. can authors themselves reach out to you and say can you stock my book or can I do an event yes yes um they can and they do uh, we have actually it was one of the very first changes we made like after we opened was we put a formal authors portal on our website right. Um, we didn't initially have it, and yeah. we're like a weekend. We're like, oh my god, we we need it. So there's a four authors page on our website where you can submit your work directly to us, um, and we review every one of those that comes in. It takes a while. Sure, it's not fast. Yeah, we have a, um, a lot of submissions. Yeah, and you know, and it's wonderful, and we love hearing from authors directly. Um, we do not order books from authors directly. Sure, um, that makes sense too. Yeah, we don't buy the books from them, but we love it when people tell us about their work. Um, and in terms of events, all most of our events happen because somebody says, I'm going to be in town or um, I live here and I want to do something. Yeah, I think the thing to consider if you're an author looking to be at the Ripped Bodice is kind of like what makes you unique in the romance world. We really love when we get pitches that are like, "I my book is special because of this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And also kind of, being aware of how difficult it is to turn out a crowd. Yeah, we really encourage authors to pair up. To, we try and bring people together. We try and put together bigger events. Um, it's really difficult to yeah. get people to show up at a bookstore to buy your books at a signing. Mm-hmm. It requires more than one tweet or Instagram. Yeah, it requires months. It's, <laughs> it's hard, and yeah. and a lot of people have a hard time understanding that. And we. We hate turning people down, but we, we do it. it a lot. Yeah, um, because we want you to have the most successful event that you can. We don't want you to be in a bookstore with five people. It's sad, and you know, it's all a learning curve, and we're already getting better at 
the kinds of events and how we're promoting our events. Um, so I think we'll only continue to improve at that. And, and I certainly saw you had a, an event with Damon Swade and Chris Rice and Eric Shaw. Eric, thank you, Eric Shaw Quinn. And I know because I followed Damon and Chris. It was all over their social feed, and you guys had a huge crowd in yeah, here on the, yeah. from the Facebook Live. Right there, those great guys great know example. how to hustle. Yeah, they and, work. And both of them are huge names. I mean, they are bestsellers, but they put in the time yes. <laughs> to make sure that their event is going to be what they want. They don't expect anyone else to do their work for them. And it... I think it really did create a great event. That was so fun. They're yeah. so funny. And they knew what they wanted from the get-go. They they are aware that they're aware that they're entertaining and yeah. knew that they wanted to interact with the crowd. And um, they also knew, you know, we are in Los Angeles. You might have hundreds of thousands of fans, but they don't live in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So they were very smart to ask us to do the Facebook Live thing. And now we have started to be much yeah, more aware. Yeah, we had uh, 4,000 viewers on Facebook over the hour that we streamed on Facebook That's Live. That's amazing. Yeah, I, which was insane. Chris just handed me his phone and was like, dude, push this button, like do this thing and set it there. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And then like people were asking questions and I was reading them. And then at the end, you can see how many people had been on the stream at some point. And I was like, holy. This is crazy. Yeah. So now is. we hope to do that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it would it'd be great to just, you know, help blast the author's messages out for people who aren't here. Right. Yeah. Because not everybody either is here or is in a place where the author is going to come to their town. Right. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the LGBT section that you've got. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's the first time I've seen it broken out as big as it is in a romance section or even in a bookstore that wasn't a gay bookstore. Like, yeah. you just don't see that kind of setup at a Barnes & Noble. It's either kind of fed into it, or it might be this little teeny tiny space. Somewhere. Yeah. Or they put it with gay studies. And it's like all this nonfiction stuff and, and kind of branched out. With the out. sexy books mixed in. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that in there from the get-go for you guys? Yeah. And, and what I kind mean, of traction does it get? Are you, is it? We did have a debate about um, whether or not it should be separate. We do not separate other. It's it's a complicated. She's, she's tiptoeing. Um, yeah. There is separate African American. Right. Fiction. It's it's in contemporary. It's in paranormal. Right. Where it should. What's abbreviated as POC, people of color romance. Um, there's a debate about whether it should be separated or not, and we don't separate it. Because um, it should. Because it should be. <laughs> Um, we feel differently about the LGBTQ section. Um, for one, I mean, I, for me, for one reason. Yeah, go ahead. It's when people walk in and ask for it, I, I do think it means a lot to see it all there. And it means a lot to me to see it there and like so prominent. It was during Pride Month, we had a big LGBTQ display up here. We had uh, a rainbow stack of books and it said Love Wins. and. We are very visible with it, and, and that's very important to us. So that, for me, is why we do shelve it separately. Yeah, and it's it's a big section. Yeah, um, yeah it is. It's a huge part of romance. Yeah, it's and so it, it was always going to be a big section from the get-go. Um, it was always going to be divided into male-male and female-female because they're very different. Yeah. Um, and it's no different than separating um, cowboys and, I don't know, 
suspense. They're different subgenres. And the people, that's the point of the store, mm-hmm. is you want to be able to go to your subgenre and browse just within your subgenre. Um, it's, it's very important to us. Um, yeah, I don't, I like almost can't. I know, I like can't ever talk about it articula- articulately. It's just, it's such an important part of romance. It's so important to get people reading those books. Especially younger people yeah. to mm-hmm. see yourself. And God, it's so powerful. <laughs> those books are so powerful. And some of our regular customers who spend a lot of time over there, it's it's just so like wonderful <laughs> to, to see someone really look, finding themselves in, mm-hmm. in this loving literature. So yeah, that's what we're trying. And I I think there there's a large straight population that enjoys absolutely um, yeah. LGBTQ romance. Um, a big big population. Um, so we're really trying to um, introduce customers who might not gravitate normally to that section. Um, our book club book next month uh, is a lesbian romance, which I'm very excited about because um, it was one of my favorite things I've read recently. Well, um, shut it out. So, I mean, we discovered this author on Twitter, and now we're like the biggest fans of her. This is our book club book for next month, Out on Good Behavior by Dahlia Adler. It is fan-freaking-tastic. Um, I loved reading it. It's really got really fantastically drawn characters, so I'm really looking forward to having other people read it. Cool. Yeah, getting to introduce people to your favorite books. Mm-hmm. What's bad about that? It's just such a positive thing to do all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we enjoy that with the podcast. Like, you have to read this book. Yeah. <laughs> and people always ask, like, oh, who do you fangirl? Um, everyone. Yeah. We are, like, in a constant state of, like, heightened. Like, this is so exciting. Yeah. So you, you had that book, Rep. What did you guys read? Other than everything, well, obviously. Other than everything. But, like, what, what's kind of your thing or your subgenre or your author? Or... My thing, I love historicals. I've always read historicals. Um, and I love when the woman has a job or something she's passionate about other than the hero. I particularly love science like, nerdy heroines. Um, and my probably favorite for that right now is Tessa Dare, who has created two series that are coming together in one book in October, which we are launching. I can't believe my life. (laughs) Seriously, that is insane. Um, Okay, you realize that within six days of each other, we're having book launches for probably your favorite author and my favorite author? Yeah. Like, it's pretty insane. It's just incredible that... And yours is? Christina Lauren, who is a contemporary team, and I always have a hard time talking about them because it's actually two people, but I, like, kind of talk about them like they're one person. Um, And they're... They have been writing this, the beautiful series, for a while, um, and... I think it was one of the first series where you were really... Yeah, I was saying on Twitter today that it's a really important part of my romance story, because it's it's just, it really took me from sort of um, uh, what we would consider, like, your mom's or your grandma's romance novels to, like, into the present... Um, it's like super contemporary and it's as described by the author's erotic romance. Um, so it's a lot more graphic. Um, and it's, 
so fabulous and great. You should all read it. Um, and they're finishing that series with the 10th book, and they're hosting a launch party at our store. Awesome. And it's crazy. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we have some pretty major events coming up yeah. that have us pinching ourselves. Yes. Um, as noted on our Twitter recently, Beverly Jenkins, who is just like this amazing I'm going to so you've recently expanded to used books mm -hmm. with the opening of Joe's Attic. The best. Um, how's that going? And like, what do you bring into the store via used? Yeah, I mean, I think Joe's Attic was like the perfect melding of our two like talents. So Leah spent hours up there building all the shelves and like actually doing physical labor. It's very DIY. Very <laughs> DIY. And then I. Priced all the books because I worked in rare books. I wrote a lot about rare books when I was an undergraduate, and I love old books, and that's just something that I've always paid please, a lot of attention to. Please tell me the room has the old book smell. It oh, does. It is. Awesome. <laughs> it's overwhelming. It's small. I mean, it's small. You know, it was it was always going to be our first planned in store expansion, but we ended up doing it a little bit earlier than we planned on. Oh yeah. Um, because this used bookstore in Costa Mesa, California that was not exclusively romance, but almost, it had been at various points. A customer actually told us that they were going out of business. We started talking to the owner, and she was basically like, I will give you all my books for a ridiculous bargain, and it was too big a deal to pass up, and we're like, all right, we're doing this now. Yeah. So we made four trips to Costa Mesa in cars and U-Hauls to get 5,000 romance novels, which, which like probably, 1700 are up there. Our garage is still full of the rest of them. Um, and it's great if you forget a book. Just go into the garage. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're able to carry a lot of the older stuff. You know, we don't carry much down here that's pre-90, 1990. I mean, and that's just by virtue of, like, how much, like you said, comes out every single right. week. So we don't have much space for anything that was published 26 years ago. Yeah. And we heard a lot in the beginning. Oh, do you have any of the old Barbara Cartlands? Do you have any Mary Stewart? Uh, now the answer is yes. <laughs> so we have. We are able to increase the number of authors we're carrying by an absurd amount and the year, the old oldness of books. <laughs> um, and, yeah, whatever. Um, and uh, they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. So we're able to hopefully reach a market of people mm -hmm. who don't have $16 to drop on a book, but they do have $3. Um, that so. means a lot to us, especially for the type of our younger normal clients. Mm -hmm. who, um, yeah, who are, who are paying with their books with single dollar bills that, you know, they're yeah. scraping together. And so yeah. we really want them to be able to read. We don't want them to be a barrier to reading. Romance novels can bring so much joy to so many people, and we and get, it's such a small thing. It's so easy for us to just bring a couple of books over and make such a difference mm -hmm. in other people's lives. So, except we brought like three hundred and fifty books over. That time we brought <laughs> a lot, but we're always looking for new places to, to that would want romance novels. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking into women's prisons, stuff like that. So, bringing these books to a wider audience is something that we feel really lucky we get to do. You've not only curated the books, you've curated the environment. Yeah. From, yes. you know, the way it is out here where we're sitting, which is near the front of the store, to a slightly different field back by Erotica. Mm -hmm. And there's the tables that have the, the nice knickknacks and other things you might want to buy, but it all fits 
the space and feels romance. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of our favorite things to do. Um, we love interior decorating. Yeah. I, I, I actually think it's like more, I mean, yes, it's interior decorating, but it's also like theme decorating. Yeah. And we also love projects. Like the store is by no means done. That flying book thing went up last weekend. Um, and I will continue working on it this weekend because I like constantly have to have a project. Sure, DIY queen. Yeah, and it's, we decorated the store the way we wanted to and it was fun and we sort of had a great time, but I honestly didn't, like when we were doing it, it didn't occur to me that it was like so revolutionary. But now people talk a lot about how the store feels. And I think we went to a lot of bookstores. I mean, our whole lives we've been going to bookstores. This basically our whole lives we've been preparing for this. Um, but right before we opened, we went on a little mini tour of LA bookstores. Mm -hmm. And which there are many fantastic ones. There are so many amazing ones. But I think the thing that we saw most was how dark they were. Mm. Uh, and that was the exact, we wanted a really light space. We didn't want this to be kind of like a dark attic where you're like hiding. Yeah. We wanted it to be really open. It's also, um, we don't care about what a bookstore is supposed to look like. <laughs> That's true. I don't know that we knew. I, I mean, to be honest, like we never even, <laughs> we like briefly looked at a couple of bookstore fixture websites and then we were like, no, <laughs> we're, this is not what we want. Like. We built all of our bookcases like we built into what we wanted them to be. Um, we just weren't concerned with it looking like a regular bookstore. I mean, obviously, it looks like a bookstore. There's a lot of books, but um, it's not Barnes and Noble. It's yeah. not. It's certainly not anything chained, but it's also yeah. not. You know, maybe some of the other larger independents either. Yeah, we really, really wanted it to feel like a home. Like mm -hmm. there are family photos of our family all mm -hmm. around and there's little knickknacks, both for sale and not for sale. There's live plants. There's, there are things that make you feel comfortable here. Mm -hmm. Like, like you have some ownership over the space maybe. I think that's what we were going for. Yeah. And we wanted it to feel feminine and we didn't care if, someone didn't like that um and plenty of people don't and it was and like aggressively feminine we're talking pink it's pink and it's pink there's a lot of pink at some point there were various you're inside of the uterus jokes made so obviously most of the customers are going to be women because yeah. romance goes towards that audience what is your male clientele like I would say it's mostly gay, um, eh, maybe like 70%. Yeah. And then I think the straight guys that come in here, 95% of them are with a female girlfriend, wife, mother, sister, etc. Um, are with a female shopper. We get a good number of guys who come in to buy a present. Yeah. Sure. Uh, which is nice and we're happy to help with that. We get a good number of men who want to look around and not really say anything maybe they giggle yeah they're, they're not our favorite customers isn't that so charming um yeah uh there's a re we have a really wonderful base of gay customers um and we have done 
a fair number of events featuring um, LGBTQ authors, um, which have been fantastic and I've had really great turnouts. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough line for us to walk um, because we never want, we never want to turn away anyone who wants to shop in the store. We never want to make anyone feel comfortable, but it is, um, sorry, yes. Um, we want everyone to feel comfortable. Yes. Um, but it is primarily a female space. Yeah. Sure. So Joe's Attic was your first big expansion. Mm -hmm. Anything else coming towards the end of 16, looking into 2017? Well, as you said, we just finished a big project. Um, n nothing that major. Um, we've got always got little things that we're tweaking within the store. Um, people ask us about expansion, all the expansion beyond the store, all the time. Um, namely, in will you come to my small town? Uh, like, open a store in my small town or my big city, New York. We're looking at you. Yeah, or, or pretty much everywhere in the country and the world. Will you come open? Bodice in my town. Um, unfortunately, Which is incredible. unfortunately, the chances of that are probably not great for you if you don't live in a very large city. Um, but I think it's it's too early for us to start thinking about larger expansion, and we never we we never want to say where our next location might be because then people will be upset with us. <laughs> I think in everything we do, we're trying to be very measured. Mm -hmm. Um, like we are so passionate about romance that we could expand beyond what we could actually take care of and like control. So we're kind of trying to make sure that we know every business we're getting into. And yeah, I mean, we've only been open for six months. Yeah. I, I mean, I, to, we were never going to expand beyond the store before like three years. Sure. I mean, it's a long, yeah, it's a long time from now. But we have a million. I mean, we have so yeah, many. Yeah. Also, but. When we even when we were in the process of opening the store, like we we had a bazillion ideas, and some of them may come to fruition. Yeah. Um, Our watchword is always kind of like pare it down, you know. Like yeah. Bring it back to. Yeah, but I would say even before we expand at this store, we we would really like to have some kind of cafe, um, coffee type situation. Um, but that Leah, in a previous life, owned and operated a cupcake truck in it, Chicago. It did. Awesome. Yeah, it did. Um, which had a literary name, the Alexander Beetle Bakery. Oh, that's right. It's an AAM one of our favorites. Um, anywho, so yes, many, many exciting things will happen over the next yeah. year, two years, three years, but what they are, who knows? Who knows? I mean, we are expanding our brand, you know, our brand. We started a, a custom jewelry line with yeah that's true we're always adding new product mm -hmm. and working with our kind of small artisans to kind of make stuff unique to the rift bodice mm -hmm. um, which you can is only buy fabio bookmarks at the rift bodice yes, in culver city or fine smut necklaces right stuff like that so oh. that's kind of where we're focusing i think on expanding sure. at the moment it was always our plan like with joe's addicts to expand within the store first um, so we still have a lot of space in here. Yeah. Um, and as we add more, more, you know, there's always more books to be had and more subgenres to include. Um, so we'll get this place a little bit more packed before we look beyond our walls. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's a good answer. So what's the best way for those who maybe don't live around the corner 
to keep up with you guys online and you know if they're planning their trip when to plan it around events and whatnot yes. i would encourage that's a great idea yeah um people always ask us the best time to come the best time to come is look at our events calendar and see what event might interest you and plan a trip around that um we have comedy nights we have book clubs we have a lot of intimate events we also have much bigger so it's, it's kind of you can kind of pick and choose um, so you go to our website and on the right, you can sign up for our newsletter if you want to get, it comes out twice a month, um, find out what's happening. It has, it's like half events, half new releases, and we each do like a book recommendation or like, you know, five summer reads or something like that. Um, you can sign up on the right side of our website. You can also just go to the events page. Um, we have a fairly prolific Twitter and Instagram presence. If you like to see the sort of minutia of working, running a bookstore and like, what's going on every day it's it's very personal yeah we try and keep it it's it, it's a business account it's and but it's run by both of us and we talk like normal people mm -hmm. um so it's very much like obviously we'll advertise for our events and stuff but then it's like this is what we ate for dinner last night like it's run <laughs> by people yeah we share our lives i mean i think one of the amazing things about the romance community is like how you get to know people and we're kind of entering it in an interesting way because there hasn't been another bookstore and there haven't been other bookstore owners entering this space but uh, people have been like so quick to welcome us and embrace us as both the bookstore but also as people ourselves who love and read romance and yeah we try to remind people that we are people um yeah. it's a bookstore run by two people um and so who started it for a specific reason is yeah. because we love these books. Like this isn't a corporate, yes. you know, like we tried to keep the corporate feeling out of everything, including our Twitter. You'll always be able to see what we're reading. We just started using Instagram stories. Oh yes, we're very much enjoying Instagram stories. Yeah, so we'll use, we'll use we that. We never learned Snapchat. No, we just skipped Snapchat. <laughs> um, Which is horrible to think because our friend works with Yeah, she's mad. Um, We'll usually, almost every day on our Instagram story, will be what either of us are reading that day, what just came in the mail, you know, new books that have arrived. Um, and, I, you know, we really use our Instagram and Twitter to sort of let people see what's going on. Yeah, I think, like you said, a lot of people romanticize the notion of owning a bookstore. And it is very romantic in some ways. It's like... I feel like we don't dissuade people of that notion. Yeah, I mean, we try and... <laughs> no, we, try and we like, never... Up. We don't, like, put the, like, shitty things on. Yeah, we try and play up the fun things. and But we are honest. Like, Leah will frequently tweet when she's, like, doing, like, accounting things. Yeah, you that's know, true. Yeah. There, there are business things happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I did post pictures when I dropped a bookcase on my face. So... Yikes. The Ripped Bodice LA... .com. Yes, and our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is the Rip Bodice. You have to put the the, um, and the website you do have to put LA. Okay. Or you can just Google it. We will link up to all that stuff in the show notes so people can go just click, 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 click. Perfect. Connect with you guys. B and Leah, thank you so much for being with us. It was so much fun. It was thank you for having so us. So great to be here. Thank you for coming all the way to the store. Yes, indeed. Oh, my pleasure. I had the best time with B and Leah mm -hmm. doing that interview. Um, we hung out, there were several times that we had to stop. We had to stop when customers come in the store, and we just we kept chatting. They have such wonderful customers um, who come in. Um, you could tell they're already integrated in the community. One of the customers came in was like, you're both here at the same time. That's so awesome, because they, they're not in the store all the time together, uh, as I came to find out. Uh, and I can't 
I don't know that I've met two people who are doing so much as just exactly what they're meant to do in life. Their passion for romance and passion for these books. I mean, it just, it kind of, I, think I thought it came out in the interview really well. Mm-hmm. And you just get it when you're just in the store with them. Yeah. Um, I, 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 we've got to get you down there. Cause I think a, you just, you would love the store in general because you love all kinds of romance, but I think you would just spend hours up in Joe's attic looking at the used books. Because <laughs> uh, there's some really vintage Harlequin up there. Um, and it's packed. I think they said it was like over a thousand books in that attic space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I uh, really enjoyed the interview. Um, they're both adorable. Uh, they're obviously super passionate about, about what they're doing. Uh, and I do look forward to getting down there one of these days. I'm not sure when, but... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to drag you with me one week. <laughs> drag me down to L.A. and uh, get me to that bookstore. Um, it's a really unique uh, and special place, obviously. And, uh, yeah. And one of the things I like is that they give uh, people who live outside of Culver City the opportunity to kind of participate. Mm-hmm. They're very active tweeters. They're active on Facebook. They tell you what they're reading. They tell you what they're doing. I think you heard in the interview that, you know, they tweeted pictures when one of them dropped a bookshelf on their head. Mm. (laughs) So they're pretty active to make you feel a part of their world. And even if you can't get to events, they have ways that you still uh, can get an autographed book, for example. Uh, They kind of sold me on a book uh, that's by Jean LeBlanc called uh, The Spare and the Air, which involves uh, an asexual woman and two gay men. Uh, and Jean is doing a release party for a very, what looks to be a very fancy illustrated version of this book because she's also a photographer. I'm not going to be down there for it, but their website, for example, had a way for me to buy an autographed copy from that event. Um, so it's really worthwhile if to check their website, see what's going on, and see if there's even ways for you to interact with them, even if you're not in Culver City. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look forward to seeing much more from these girls, watching this business grow, uh, the show notes has all the links to their website and their social media, as well as their Kickstarter page. The Kickstarter page is no longer active, of course, because they're fully funded. But it's interesting to see what they did put together for the bonuses to get the store up and running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations to the two of them. Um, the store has obviously been a rip-roaring success, uh, and we look forward to seeing... Uh, what they come up with in the future. Yeah, how they grow in their next six months. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. So that'll do it for this week. Uh, Coming up in episode 52, we've got Posey Roberts here as part of the 2016 GRL blog tour. And we finally get to talk to our, one of the people we are going to so fangirl on, uh, MJ (laughs) O'Shea. Uh, She talks about her latest books, Open Road and Marriage of Inconvenience. And we'll also wrap up our experience up at the Gay Romance Northwest Meetup. Yeah, should be good. Yep. Take care, guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. New episodes are available every Monday at iTunes and other major podcast outlets. While there, subscribe to the show and please consider leaving a review. For detailed show notes, links, and to sign up for the monthly newsletter, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Big Gay Fiction Podcast.